Hey, hey, welcome to Horns Up. I'm Animation. Yes, after that excellent chat with Bell Witch last week, we just had to have Ariel Ruin on the show this week. A perfect follow-up, especially if you've heard uh, Stygian Boar Volume 1 and, well, earlier Ariel Ruin music as well. It's acoustic doom or folk doom. Who would have ever thunk that kind of genre would even exist, huh, Peter? Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, uh, compared to most of the bands that we featured, right, uh, Aerial Ruin comes far softer. But one thing that struck me about uh, his music, right, uh, is that it's so introspective and reflective in there. And it still has that same, you know, very... uh, I don't know how do I can't put my finger on it, but it's it's that same quality that you feel like it's very metal, but at the same time very accessible, if I may say. But then again, it's not your typical singer-songwriter fair either. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. a lot of uh, what we've talked about right now is up for discussion. Uh, here it is. Here's the chat with Eric Mugridge, better known to all as the man behind Aerial Ruin. Hi, Eric. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Uh, well, all right. thanks for asking. <laughs> I mean, I mean yeah. good considering, you know, we're all living through a crazy pandemic and really awful period of history, but, you know, yeah, good in that context, right? Hopefully so, what doesn't kill, kill us only makes us stronger. <laughs> yeah, yes, we can only hope. Literally, right? I mean, we all should get herd immunity and be able to <laughs> be stronger. <laughs> Yeah, yes. Let me begin uh, with some talk about Stygian Ball, uh, Volume 1. Uh, we recently spoke to Jesse from Bellwitch about the album. And, you know, frankly, we'd like to understand your perspective as well. I mean, because he said that the first piece of music for the project was something that you'd written. Sure, yeah. Um yeah, well, I guess I think the very first thing was the uh, I made a demo of the of parts of the first song, uh, the Bastard Wind. So I had the whole, you know, the first three minutes of it, this sort of acoustic guitar and and you know me singing, and then Jesse and Dylan are kind of kind of fading in, doing sort of subtle atmospheric stuff in the background. So I had a demo that had that but without what they had added to it, just the guitar and the vocals. And then I had a bunch of the vocal ideas that came sort of like in the last sort of uh, uh, eight minutes of the song that were kind of sketched out over like acoustic guitar and, uh, and some electric guitar that I'd overdubbed. And, and then essentially um, as a band, we kind of wrote everything that came in between those two sections. So uh, there's like a 10 minute section, which is you know, made up mostly of sort of Dylan riffs where it goes, you know, from the acoustic guitar intro into that sort of like quiet bass thing that Stillman's doing. And then it gets into the metal stuff and then it gets faster and faster. And Jesse was really good at kind of um, sketching out the sort of dynamic rhythmical shifts where it gets, you know, quicker and quicker. And then it gets actually kind of upbeat, which is very fast for a Bellwitch song. Um, but it was really fun to do that song for me because um, the main acoustic guitar part at the beginning uh, was something that I imagine is working as an aerial ruin type acoustic guitar part, but also be 
adaptable to be like a bell witch style metal riff and so when we bring that back at the end it's the same riff but it's just you know it's done with dylan's huge bass tone and with me playing electric on top of it and then he also does dylan also does a really beautiful bass solo in between the last two verses which is really great so yeah that was the that was the first thing we wrote and that's how that came about okay i must admit i love how stitch and ball volume one begins with you I mean, you are literally the first thing we hear as soon as uh, we press play on the album, which also means that it's the first impression uh, as such of this album. Um, was this a conscious decision to let that first impression as such be you? And if so, uh, was it any sort of a challenge to write that part? Because it would be the first impression of this album for the audience. Actually, it wasn't really a conscious decision. Um, you know, it was the first piece of music that was written for the project. And um, so, but, but, but then when we wrote the other two main pieces, the Heaven Torn Low and the Unbodied Air, um, we didn't really know for sure which one would end up being the first song on the album. So that all kind of, all those decisions kind of came after it was done. So, no, it was actually just very natural. Like it, like I said, it just stemmed from me wanting to write something that I thought worked in both an aerial ruin context and in a, a Bellwitch context without necessarily thinking that it would be the first thing on the record. So, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, did you have to alter your vocal style or the production of your vocals as such on uh, Stygian Bore Volume 1? I mean, when compared to your solo output? Not really. Um, I mean, I sure in the louder, heavier parts, it is it is different than my solo stuff, but it is quite similar to the stuff that I've done on the heavier moments I've sang with Bellich in the past. So, you know, I've sang on like, you know, parts of or songs of on all of the three of the full lengths. And so, you know, and the louder parts of those, like say on Rose of Endless Waves on Longing or the some of the louder parts of Mirror Reaper, I'm singing in perhaps a similar style. So yeah, I think uh, it was um, every song brings something new in new territory, but it wasn't sort of something very drastically different. Okay, cool. Uh, this was a question we asked Jesse as well, uh, and I'd like to get your perspective on this. What would you say were your expectations from this album? Uh, did the album deliver on those expectations? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think I'm very proud of it. I, um, you know, it's always hard not to be critical of any work that you do of your own. And I do think that all three of us are looking forward to doing another album where we can kind of, you know, have more time to kind of be perfectionists about everything because this was the first time that we had done a record like this where I'm fully integrated into the sound and we have all these different instruments that weren't involved with my, uh, you know, performances with Bellwitch in the past. And so it is sort of a new entity in a sense. Um, but having said that, I do think the songs think that they convey what we were feeling at the time. And I'm certainly proud of the you know, musical statement it makes what, or what have you. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, and as far as like what we set out to do, um, I think we didn't really know what we were gonna do when we got into it. Like we were initially gonna do like an acoustic record um, like the Ulver uh, acoustic album, which the name of it uh, escapes me at the moment, but it's that really beautiful one that's, you know, acoustic the whole way through. 
like that was something that Dylan kept referring to. And so we were going to do an album that didn't have any metal stuff at all. But then very quickly, I remember I started just for saying that I really wanted to do some stuff that incorporated all the heaviest elements of Bell Witch. And so, it, you know, pretty early on uh, started to just sort of open up the gates of possibility to the styles that we can incorporate. And it just flowed quite naturally, really, since, you know, we'd been working together for so many years already. I mean, personally, uh, the fact that it's volume one kind of uh, answers whether there will be a volume two as well. But I really can't wait to hear that when it eventually gets made. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that, too, because I think that, you know, like I'm very proud of this record, but it was rushed in some ways because we were just all so busy doing other things and, you know, touring and everything. So I think that, you know, when we do the next one, we'll just have more time to make it. Uh, you know, to be perfectionists about it and have more time in the studio. And I think we'll, you know, it was a learning process and what it would really take to make an album with this many different instruments and styles and, and stuff. So, yeah, I can't wait to do the next one because I think it's going to be, you know, definitely better and more sort of natural and realized. All right. Uh, let's shift gears to, you know, talk about Aerial Ruin now. I mean, to begin with, I'd like you to take us back to the start. So, when I was reading up on you, I mean, you were part of a thrash slash death metal band epidemic and, you know, a later a stone do, stoner doom band called Old Grandad. Uh, and I also read in an interview that you wrote the earliest Aerial Ruin songs in 1999 when, you know, Old Grandad was active. So what made you want to begin the project in the first, in the first place? Um, well, I, having always played in metal bands, um, which, you know, which is obviously a very extrovert sort of uh, form of music and artistic expression. I wanted to do something that was more reflective of certain extreme sort of psychedelic and spiritual experiences that I was having at the time, which is a much more sort of inward looking experience. And it was, you know, something that was reflecting a lot of sort of a, a ego death sort of experiences that I felt like I was having at the time. Um, and plus that coupled with uh, the dynamic problems of singing melodically over a really loud band like Old Grandad. Like with that band, I had some, some of my vocals were melodic, but when like at practice, we were just so loud that it was hard to hear my melodic voice. So it was nice to do something really quiet where I wouldn't have to fight the volume of a really loud band and I could just sing really softly and you know it could be very audible. So it was just a, yeah, it was just a way of, um, expressing myself in a completely different and totally personal way, which is probably why it took me 10 years to even bother to do it live because it didn't seem natural at all because it was so sort of introvert, you know? Um, yeah. So I think that pretty much sums up the answer to your question, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, no, true. And, you know, uh, which kind of brings me to the next question. I mean, you've described uh, aerial ruin as spiritual, right? But here in India, when you say that word, it kind of brings up to the mind, you know, images of, you know, like monks meditating and things like that. Uh, was there like a specific instance or experience that you had that kind of brought this, brought about this change into you being spiritual? Well, I was definitely pretty fond of psychedelic drugs and that was sort of taking me into some sort of interesting uh, uh, mental experiences. And, um, and then I think with, with Old Grandad, we uh, did, and we still do because we actually got back together to do a new album last year. Um, we were 
we were always kind of taking the sort of satanic imagery of heavy metal and kind of using it as a metaphor for all the things that we loved about heavy metal. So it wasn't seriously, uh, we weren't using it in a serious religious or spiritual sense, but like I was identifying a lot with like a lot of sort of, you know, satanic imagery. And so I thought about it a lot. And, and then when I was getting into like all these more sort of, uh, um, sort of psychedelic head spaces, I was thinking a lot about, you know, all that kind of imagery and how that metaphor could be tied on to, you know, the, the human experience and what the universe is and everything. And it sort of started taking me into certain places that it's kind of hard to describe in a, in a podcast interview, but, you know, I think it's maybe easier to express lyrically. And, you know, when it's not so, when you're not so much trying to, you know, use language to describe something yeah. is using language as a way to express something very slowly over the course of a project that is just ongoing, if that makes any sense. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, you know, talking about uh, talking about the music, I really enjoy the minimalistic vibe as such that you have on your releases, whether it be on Nameless Sun or uh, it kind of followed in uh, your recent split that you released at the beginning of the year as well. The instrumentation as such is what really you know, is, is a talking point for me because it's very easy to follow and extremely bare. Uh, why do you choose to keep it that way? Well, I think it just, it's, um, it just, you know, it reflects the nature of the music and the nature of the personal experience that I think, um, you know, is being expressed there. Um, and I, so I just never really feel like I need to do more. I mean, I do occasionally get like, you know, uh, uh, guest musicians to come in and sort of beef things up every now and then. Like on my 2015 album, Ash of Your Cares, I had Don Anderson from Agaloc, uh played on a song called Alter. And mm -hmm. that was really cool. And then I, my friend Eric Peterson from Lost Goat played uh, some of the electric guitar stuff on Valleys of the Earth. And I have another guest playing on the album I'm working on now. And like, you know, and then when I split collaboration album with Stevie Floyd, we did some you know, back and forth guest vocals on each other's side. But those, that, those uh, experiences didn't really change the dynamic much because it's still just all guitar and vocals. And I think that there's just so much I feel like I can do with that. And especially, you know, getting into vocal overdubs and just layering stuff and kind of making it bigger and bigger and bigger. And then, you know, so there's just all these different voices that can be really fun. And then it's, you know, doing the opposite extreme where it's just a song where it's just one guitar and one voice and that's it. And it's just so bare bones. I mean, that just, that says to me all I need to really say. I don't, you know, I, I think it's the nature of how introvert and sort of personal or subpersonal that it is that, that I just don't really need to do more than that. Uh, we've talked a lot about uh, your music. Uh, let's play a song from your recent, any one of your recent releases. Which one should we play and why? Um, well, did you want to play something from the, the Stygian Bow album or did you want to play something else? I think from uh, your solo, I mean, from Aerial Ruin as such. Gotcha. Uh, I think uh, maybe Epilogue Centauri off of the split with Panopticon. I think that's my uh, favorite, more recent song.
Earlier this year in March, you released uh, Forgotten Songs, uh, which is a collection of, you know, old and previously unreleased songs. Can we expect any new material from you anytime soon? And you did say you were working on new stuff. Yes, yes. Um, I actually have about 45 minutes worth of new stuff demoed. Like I'm just recording everything at home demo style. And then I'm going to go into my friend's home studio that's recorded all my most recent albums and, you know, redo it all from scratch there. So, and I'm still writing new things. So um, I'm hoping that maybe by the end of this year, I will have either like a, a longer album than I normally put out, like a more of like a 60 minute album, as opposed to say a 45 minute album or maybe two 45 minute albums, you know, that might come out separately. Um, so yeah, I would think that you know maybe by spring of 2021, um, I'll be having you know one or more releases come out. Um, but I like to record, work on stuff very slowly. So you know sometimes it just uh, my estimates about when things are going to come out are not that accurate. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. But yes, uh, yeah, that's going that's going quite well. So I'm excited about that. All right. I mean. So, you know, when you, when you talk about, say, a one-man acoustic guitar-based performer, right? Uh, again, images come up as, you know, of a singer-songwriter in a cafe crooning away love songs. I mean, <laughs> and, and when you watch videos of you, it's completely different. Like, so what do you make of that statement? Yeah, I think um, singer-songwriter is such a, is, a, is a funny term. And then, you know, and then using the the term folk music to dis describe me. I always, always thought that was sort of funny too, because I think that, you know, if you play get acoustic guitar and you sing, that's what people sort of think of. And if you talk about folk music, you know, um, that to me um, um, implies a lot about sort of like folk music traditions. Whereas, whereas uh, my music is much more, I mean, I, I'm a heavy metal musician. I come from that background. I still like to play with metal bands. I get invited to play metal festivals and, you know, and, and play metal shows. And a lot of times when I book my own tours, I try to sort of play with metal bands. So it's just very, I think it's a context where I feel sort of, you know, more at home, really, you know, which is not to say that I don't love to play shows with other types of acoustic performers. And I, and I, I certainly appreciate playing with acoustic performers that are very different than me. But I think that, yeah, when it comes down to it, I'm, uh, I'm a metal guy, you know, primarily uh, more than I'm an acoustic guy. And I think that that maybe kind of comes through in the context of, you know, where and how my music is presented. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree because like when you first come across any of the descriptors of your music, they, uh, I mean, 
put you under the ta- tag dark folk, <laughs> right, <laughs> which, which, right. which can get a bit confusing, right? Once you listen to the music. And I think that's fine. I mean, I don't think it's a bad description. It's just, you know, um, it's just not how I would just necessarily describe it. You know, like I would just sort of describe it as my acoustic solo project because that's just, it's just a technical description, you know, as opposed to sort of trying to put it into a genre. And genres are very strange to begin with, but especially for, you know, people who are kind of, you know, you know, between the cracks of the genre, so to speak, which I think that I could be described as. All right. So, you know, you talked about being invited to play uh, metal shows, right? And uh, I think this is universal uh, around the world. Like metalheads are used to like, you know, the sound and the theatrics of a band on the live front, right? I mean, it's that entire experience. But in your experience, would that be correct? Uh, What do you make of that? Um, Well, as far as, you know, when I've played metal fests, I've I've, I've always been... uh, pleasantly surprised at how well I generally go over, you know, um, I sort of get up there and I ex- expect people not to like what I'm doing, but then they generally react fairly favorably. I think, especially in more recent years. Um, so I think that, you know, I think especially with, with festivals, I think it, it's best, it's kind of good to have a lot of stylistic variations within, you know, the heavy metal experience. And I think that, you know, if people are going to watch tons of bands, they want to, they don't want to see just like, you know, all death metal bands. Right? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, they want something to break it up. And I think that's why I've been getting these invites is because it's just sort of, you know, it puts something that's very different there either as an opener or it's like, you know, between two heavier bands that just makes it, you know, gives the listener a different experience, but it's also, you know, dark and dreary enough that it sort of appeals to, to metal fans at least hopefully it does yeah. <laughs> okay okay you know having said that um we immediately like immediately my first reaction to hearing your music was yes you are a metal project do you think uh, metal as such is a right word to describe aerial ruin why or why not i don't i don't quite think so i would i would say maybe uh, uh metal tinged you know or with um, residual metal Just elements. metallic. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, metal stained. <laughs> um, <laughs> because it's just, it is very melodic and it's, you know, almost entirely acoustic guitar. I mean, there are a few, you know, electric guitar parts that are, are kind of more metal, but it's just the, the dominant sound is not heavy metal. Um, then again, if like if you took if you took one of my songs and then you put it in a metal album and that was the only acoustic song, it would fit in in that sense. So I guess you, you know it could be. I know, no, sorry, I mean, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a rambly answer. Like I'm not. <laughs> no, no, no. I I can completely get where you're coming from, but also there's a counterpoint to it. I mean, if you took one of your songs and uh, asked a metal band to cover it as such, it would still work as a metal song. This is probably true. Yes. Yes. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. Okay, so I don't have a next concept collaboration. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could, I could do a bunch of my own songs, but then like get like, you know, get the Bellwitch guys to like turn it into metal tunes for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, on a very light note, um, I've always wanted to ask this to an uh, acoustic performer as such. Is there a difference between acoustic and unplugged? Uh, 
for you? I th- no, I don't think so. Um, it only makes me think of, uh, you know, some shows I've played have just been like house shows, you know, especially like in Europe a lot, you know, where you go and like there's no PA or anything. So you just, you're literally unplugged in that sense. But uh, the majority of shows I play are, are plugged in. And in these days I actually use live loop pedals on stage so I can, you know, you know, play guitar solos over myself and then like layer the vocals on stage and everything. So those shows are very m- much not unplugged. So in that sense, you know, but you could say that they're acoustic since I'm playing an acoustic guitar, you know. Well, there you have it. That's the difference between acoustic and unplugged. All right. Um, Eric, it's been an absolute pleasure. Here's our final question as such. Um, considering all that you've done so far, what's really left as such for you to achieve or uh, do for as aerial ruin? Do you have an answer for that? I don't know. Well, I think um, just really, for, well, just as aerial ruin by myself, I mean, just to kind of continue doing it. I mean, uh, I was going to be on tour so much this year. I mean, probably mostly with Stygian and Val. And I was so excited for that. So it's such a bummer that that hasn't been able to happen. So hopefully the state of the world will return into a tour friendly uh, uh, reality before too long without too many people suffering and dying. And then we can, you know, all get back to the wonderful live experiences that we all thrive on so much. Um, but yeah, as far as aerial ruin by myself, I think it's just, you know, it's not a goal oriented thing. It's just really about just continuing to express the, uh, you know, express the expression of what is I'm, I'm doing and, you know, just playing live as much as possible. Awesome. <laughs> the expression awesome. of what I'm doing. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When, when we asked uh, Jesse about like a similar question, he, he kept on saying that everything that we planned for this year is canceled. And we kept prompting him to say, it's not canceled. <laughs> it's largely uh, <laughs> rescheduled or postponed and yeah I think that's the optimists in us kind yeah. of wanting yep. to just hear and make sure that you guys do get to do all that you had planned for this year as such yeah I certainly hope so uh, and I think it will happen it's just a question of when and we really don't know the answer to that do we but hopefully sooner than later you know yep. and, and honestly that's that's enough at the moment uh, thank you so much, Eric, for taking some time out and yeah, uh, chatting so, with man. us. Uh, really enjoyed yeah, well, this conversation. Yes, well, thank you, guys. I just uh, uh, I just listened to the Schmeyer episode of, of of your podcast right before we got on here. So now I'm looking forward to going back and checking out some other older episodes as well. So oh. thanks for taking the time and inviting me, guys. Yeah, that that's really thank great you. To hear, yeah, man. that's great to hear. Horns okay. up, Eric. Thank you. Horns up. Horns up. Cheers. Wow, so with that, it's kind of a wrap as such on our extended worship of Doom Metal. Next week, we're uh, talking to one of the hottest bands on the circuit right now, Necrot. Man, these guys have been really getting some good press because of the new album, huh? Mortal, their latest release, is has been on my uh, playlist quite a bit. I've really, really enjoyed it. And yeah, it's it's there's something about that sound that they've married, right? It's got death metal with you know the d beat or punk thing so yeah definitely a very very good record yep and we are talking a lot about 
the production the production and the songwriting aspect of it and it's uh, one of the interviews that i'm really proud of personally stay tuned for that that's for next week till then as always we are at honsapod.com at honsapod on twitter i'm at asmoani and i'm at trend crusher and this was honsap honsap guys